Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 29 of Mythic Mission, Surprised by Agape, an interview with Justin Wiggins, with your host, Professor Michael Jahoski. Justin Wiggins is a new friend. We've uh, become friends over social media and find we have a lot in common, and he's a friend, mutual friend, I should say, of many uh, guests that have been on the show, so we had to have Justin on. Justin is a local writer that works and lives in the primitive, majestic, beautiful mountains of North Carolina. He graduated with his bachelor's in English literature from Montreat College with a focus on C.S. Lewis studies in May of 2018. His first book was Surprised by Agape, published by Grant Hudson of Clarendon House Publications. He has also had poems and other short pieces published by Clarendon House Publications, the C.S. Lewis Sainsuit Journal, and by Sweetie Cat Press. Justin has a great zeal for life, work, community, writing, literature, art, pubs, bookstores, and coffee shops. And that's why we are quickly becoming good friends, because I love these things too. So join me in welcoming Justin to episode number 29 of Mythic Mission to talk about his book and autobiography, but is kind of written in the same vein as C.S. Lewis's Surprised by Joy. This is Justin Wiggins' personal journey to Christ and the role that C.S. Lewis had in helping him see Christ and um, to live in Christ. And so we're going to be talking to him about his book, his journey. It's a wonderfully written book. It's a short too, um, not that that matters, but if you want a quick and powerful read with some really big ideas that can whet your appetite for some of the other things that he's working on and what other scholars have been working on, then Justin's book is for you. We're going to touch on myth tonight, agape love. We're going to be talking about C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien and art, aesthetics. Sehnsucht as uh, a German word that means pining or longing, uh, stabbing, uh, that we'll be talking about that's sort of synonymous with Lewis's concept of joy, with a capital J from uh, many of his writings, especially Surprised by Joy. So look forward to all those topics and more in tonight's exclusive subscription-based episode with Justin Wiggins. And on that note, let me uh, announce that if you go to www.mythicmission.com, you can sign up for our free blog to get updates about what's new with the podcast, among other things, things that, for example, I'm going on uh, a podcast in the near future to talk about my book, which I've been uh, on a hiatus on uh, being guest on other people's podcasts. But for announcements like that and uh, changes to the podcast and other big announcements, please subscribe to our free, free website. Uh, blog and we're going to start blogging more there as well so that's www.mythicmission.com follow me on social media and youtube there as well so you can stay in touch the subscription to mythic mission now will gain access to exclusive episodes that i choose to publish i'm kind of being selective about some of the uh, big profile scholars that i have on or some of the bigger topics that are representative of what we're doing here at Mythic Mission. You'll get exclusive access to those if you're a subscriber. Um, we will continue to publish occasionally free content that you're going to get and there will, if you look now, there are plenty of episodes that are still free if you're not a subscriber so that you can see what we're all about. Um, but if you sign up for five bucks a month, that's one perk. You get exclusive, exclusive episodes uh, before anybody else does and of course uh, those other folks won't be getting like this episode for example. The second thing you're going to get for now, we're going to have more perks coming later, is a one-on-one -on -one with me in the green room. If you download the green room app by Spotify on your smartphone, I'll be sending out to the email subscription, um, you know, subscribers list. Uh, once a month, you'll get to meet, interface with me, kind of off-script conversations, feedback about the podcast, ideas for future episodes, and other great talks that we can just have about life, uh, art, myth religion, philosophy, etc. So please join the subscriber list so you can sign up uh, for $5 a month. 
think of it as uh, buying me a cup of coffee a month and uh, you can get exclusive access to episodes and one-on-one time with me once per month. And that's through the Green Room app by Spotify, which is on your smartphone app store. So please consider supporting for the um, benefits that you've just heard about and for supporting our work with uh, what we're doing for Christ and his kingdom. We would greatly appreciate your continued support and prayers for what we're doing here. And that uh, we also have some really, really big guests coming on this fall and some great new blog posts. We've got some uh, dialogues with non-Christians and uh, some, some great things to look forward to. So to not miss all that, please subscribe to the show. God bless you. Thank you for listening as always. And enjoy tonight's 29th episode with my friend, Justin Wiggins, about his book, Surprised by Agape. Okay. Well, good evening, Facebook world. Good evening, friends and family. Good evening, Mythic Mission subscribers and fans. Uh, we've got a special episode here tonight, uh, episode number 29 of Mythic Mission. I've been um, in a hiatus for the last few weeks and want to finish out August strong with uh, an interview with one of my friends here, Justin Wiggins, who I'm, I'm, I'm going to introduce here in a moment. Uh, we've got some great episodes coming up this fall, so please make sure that you are on our subscriber list and you follow us at www.mythicmission.com. Uh, and uh, we hope you can join us for a few minutes, if not the whole hour here tonight, uh, for our conversation with Justin about his book, Surprised by Agape, and uh, that if you don't get to catch it, that you can subscribe to the show afterwards on Anchor or Spotify or iTunes and catch a, uh, uh, the recorded episode at your leisure. So we, um, we're having a conversation tonight. This is uh, you know, going to get into some usual territory on myth and Lewis and the Inklings, but we're just going to kick back and you know, toast our Friday night together. Um, Justin, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. It's an honor. Cheers. It's, it's good to know you. Yes, cheers. So we, um, Justin, we're, we're toasting to, to a lot of people tonight. Um, We've got uh, our friend David Bates, who we owe the, uh, the honor yeah. and pleasure for these beautiful pints uh, that we've got here. Uh, who's, um, he's expecting a, a son coming into the world soon, so we'll have uh, prayers for him and his wife and their uh, newborn. And uh, we want to say thank you to David for having us on his podcast and hope that he uh, is able to catch up with this one at some point. And I think also uh, to give thanks just for the gift of Tolkien and, and Lewis, among others. Is that right? absolutely my friend yeah so we uh, we've both been impacted and shaped by these great scholars and uh tonight we're going to talk about your journey and your book and how in particular uh, c.s lewis shaped your journey and coming to faith and uh, i can't wait for people to learn more about you and your book and and hope that they'll buy it uh, it's available on amazon in the show notes uh for the podcast edition uh and i suppose I'll see if I can sneak it into on the Facebook a little later on. Uh, you'll have a link where you can get Justin's book, um, <clears throat> Surprised by Agape, which is available on Amazon. You can buy it as a paperback. You can get it as a Kindle edition. And I'm sure he would love for you to read it. It's a, it's a wonderfully readable book, very lucid, personal, profound, uh, very uh, impactful. And so I hope you'll be able to resonate with it like uh, I have uh, in, in some ways. Um, we know our, our journeys kind of intersect, uh, so that's, that's wonderful. Well, let me introduce my guest and uh, my new friend here. Justin and I are, are uh, becoming friends. We have a lot of common interests, so this is, this is good. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about who Justin is, and then we'll go ahead and, and get started. And Justin, if it's okay with you too, 
I just want to read a little portion after I introduce you uh, from the beginning of your book that I think sets the tone for this evening's conversation. Is that okay with you? Indeed. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Um, let me go ahead and uh, get my, my notes up here. So Justin Wiggins is a local writer that works and lives, uh, and I'm jealous of this, in the primitive, majestic, and beautiful mountains of North Carolina. He graduated with his bachelor's in English literature from Montreat College with a focus on C.S. Lewis studies in, the May, in May excuse me, of 2018. His first book was Surprised by Agape. We're going to be talking about that tonight, published by Grant Hudson of Clarendon House Publications. He has uh, also had poems and other short pieces published by Clarendon House Publications, the C.S. Lewis Seinsucht Journal, and by Sweetie Cat Press. Uh, Justin has a great zeal for life, work, community, writing, literature, art, which we're going to talk about tonight, pubs, bookstores, and coffee shops. And Justin, among the many reasons why I like you and enjoy your company, I love all of these things too. <laughs> so welcome again on, onto the show. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. Okay, so I think this is the uh, the Kindle edition, Justin, that I've got, uh, and it, it, and I'm going to get a paperback copy of your book because I like to get for fellow authors. Uh, I like I think it's important to buy it in print as well. Um, page 15, which you know how Kindle book book uh, page numbers work. Um, here's what you say at the beginning of your book that I think sets the tone for your story, uh, surprised by agape. The Greek word agape, which is my favorite word from any language. Justin says, means an unconditional and everlasting love. I've come to believe that the creator has this kind of love for all of humanity. Whether you believe in a loving creator, in many gods, or in nothing spiritual or divine, what unites us all is that we are human beings with fears, hopes, dreams, personalities, and the desire to be loved. Each one of us has a unique and strange life narrative that is important, and we express this experience of being human through artistic storytelling. That's, that's pretty much what we're interested here at Mythic Mission. We, we understand myth, mythos, the old Greek term as a, uh, a big story, a, a grand narrative, a, a narrated worldview of, of one's life, but also the big story that makes sense of, of the, the grand story we're all a part of. And I think you express that beautifully, but also tell us a little bit about this key word that is a part of your story. So I think this is a great way to start. What do you think? Indeed, absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I, uh, if you can't tell already, I enjoyed your book. Uh, I was able to, uh, to, to get it read pretty quickly. So um, by no means is this you know, of importance. It's a short book, folks, that you can read very quickly, and you will because it's well-written. And I think you're going to find um, you probably have some, something in common with Justin as a fellow human being and imager of God. So I hope you'll give it a read. And we've got uh, several questions tonight just to kind of set a conversational tone. We're going to be talking about Justin's journey, his book, uh, you know, his, his background, his understanding of uh, the arts and coming to faith and myth and several other things that will come up. So, Justin, why don't you just tell us, get us started, because I know your book is, is pretty much an autobiography. Would you say that's an accurate summation? Yes, indeed. So I know we're going to be talking about your story and, and little bits across the hour, um, but just tell us, you know, why Christianity? Because there are a lot of options out there with religion and, you know, how many modern people view religion as just one other thing to choose. But as we know, it's a bit more important and more involved in that. This is a big life decision. So how did you become a Christian and why? Wow. So I grew up in Southern Free World Baptist culture. 
And although I was thankful to be raised within that particular denomination, I had a really negative experience with it. Of course, not all, not everyone does, but when I was exposed to this particular theological paradigm, that's all that I knew. And it was a lot of, you know, teetotalism, rapture theology, this, you know, the sort of Christianity was about getting the ticket to the celestial theme park. So you won't have to spend eternity with Henry the eighth, that sort of way. And the rapture nice. theology, the rapture theology was quite traumatizing as well. Mm. Um, and asking questions was really looked down upon. And mm. there was, there's some, there was some very sincere people within that culture that I grew up in in Eastern North Carolina. And I really admired <clears throat> that they served people, you know, they helped people out in the community with disabilities or who were suffering and, and struggling without any things shown back in return, which, as you know, reflects agape love. So I really admire mm -hmm. that. But I was an agnostic for mm -hmm. a very long time. And also at the root of that agnosticism was father abandonment struggles. Mm -hmm. um, my father, unfortunately, never fought his drug addiction. So that was deeply wounding, although he was there some. I just mm -hmm. remember at one point he, he would disappear and then reappear. And it just caused this difficult confusion. And I was raised by some really good women and they taught me really great virtues, you know, how to have a, have a balance between reason and emotions, never assume things about people, treat all people with respect, how to keep a clean house and <laughs> be responsible, not take yourself too seriously. So they, and how to be courageous, how to be strong, but also gentle. And I'm really thankful that I had those women there. They were like my clan mothers and I'm very thankful, but I didn't believe in anything divine or supernatural. I didn't know if there was a God or many gods or something, some cosmic force that brought everything into being sort of, you could equate it to the Hindu Brahma. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. And I was really confused for a long time. And it was really hard to even articulate the questions and doubts that I had. And when I got older, I started asking more questions about the, what's called the problem of evil and suffering how do you reconcile that with a good and loving creator um but also what about beauty and goodness and truth and love where do those things come from and morality where does that come from and human consciousness and so i asked all these questions about science and evolution and faith and it was quite a journey and so <clears throat> I, although i found other worldviews really interesting hmm. i when it came down to it, after asking many questions and having many doubts and through discovering the music of John Foreman, the lead singer of Switchfoot, mm -hmm. and yeah. how he helped me with, even when I was an agnostic, I still admired his faith and that <clears throat> he was able to write music for people of all worldviews while still being authentic in who he was in his faith. And I really found I really love that man. And I grew up yeah. on a lot of U2, Led Zeppelin, hmm. Bob and Bob Marley, Simon and Garfunkel, the Beatles, Inya, nice. BB Wonder, Michael Jackson. And I heard all of those sounds and hit in Switchfoot's music as well hmm. as well, his is more folk, although I don't want to box it in, but his is right. definitely has more folk influence. Agreed. Yeah. But I really found that attractive and mm -hmm. I 
remember him read i would read interviews that he you know online and watch interviews he did on youtube and i really was intrigued as to why he kept referencing c.s lewis i don't i didn't grow up reading narnia Mm. i remember a few references from lewis here and there in middle school and high school and tolkien too but Mm -hmm. i just other than those references i didn't read anything by them and i had no idea who they were and why Mm. they are such amazing writers that continue to inspire so many people around the world and so Mm -hmm. uh, okay if john foreman is referencing this c.s lewis writer so much he must be worth checking out and so i thought okay and i remember i was watching a youtube video that was a an acoustic performance of the this is home song i love that song i know it's beautiful and Mm -hmm. i was stoked that switchfoot was given the opportunity to write it for the prince caspian movie and i know mm-hmm. many people have various opinions about the sure. prince caspian movie yeah um, and i would, i think the first one by far is the best of course Ab- that big absolutely and the way john foreman talked about the this yearning and longing mm-hmm. and the song was really intriguing to me and i didn't really know what he meant i thought okay what is he I, I, I resonate with this, this, mm. this certain something more, not as escapism, mm-hmm. as you know, but being a, a finite human being in the here and now yearning mm. for meaning and, and purpose. And I was trying to articulate what did that mean? And I didn't really have the words. And so I was so moved by, it, I got a one in volume set of the Chronicles of Narnia, which I still have to this day. Mm. And I had no idea what I was letting myself in for. Mm-hmm. I, relate that to when lewis was a young atheist and read george mcdonald's fantastic mm-hmm. fantastic i've heard it pronounced different yeah me too and he read that and as you know he said it it baptized his imagination and he mm-hmm. came back to reality and saw everything is enchanted <clears throat> and what he encountered in that fascinating wonderful book by the great scotsman it was the was holiness mm-hmm. and that was a similar experience I had with, of course, all the Narnia books are, are amazing and, and epic and beautiful in their, in their own right. But for me, as a personal preference, The Magician's Nephew is my favorite mm. book. The moment when Aslan sings Narnia into mm. being was my first experience of the transcendent the, or the numinous or Zinzuk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the very day, the very moment, the very hour, and I was filled with this yearning and, and longing. That was this combination of grief and joy, as Tolkien mm. has described. Yep, and that's about right. I didn't know how to rationalize it away. I knew that this couldn't be explained away in some scientific, you know, it, in a in an empirical box, you know, sure. sort of, and. I found it really interesting. And from that experience, I, and also when I had that experience, all of these things came together. I, I finally realized why myth and storytelling is important to our human tribe. Yeah. Uh, why art is transcendent and why Jesus of Nazareth told parables in the first century to the poor and the freaks and the broken and the outcast. Mm-hmm. And so, so many things came together and, And I was still even on the verge of, I didn't know if he actually existed, you know, is Mm -hmm. it just legendary or 
and you know I, I asked questions about that and N.T. Wright was really mm -hmm. helpful and you know of course Josephus, Josephus Tacitus Bonnie the Elder Suetonius it was I was really overwhelmed with the as Jesus of Nazareth as a historical figure mm. um, and I was fascinated by that and I thought wow I, I had no idea that he actually did exist in the first century right Jewish Aramaic picking a rabbi mm. and when it came down to it though I knew that intellectual questions are important you know the existential questions I suppose are and, and I know everyone has a different journey but more of the existential yeah. intellectual questions had their place of course but when it came down to it, the existential struggles about evil and suffering but also what about goodness and beauty and truth and mm. I, I really honestly wanted to know if there was a good and loving creator that cared about all of humanity that did something about death and sin and suffering mm -hmm. i just remember you know i you know i explored other worldviews islam judaism hinduism paganism buddhism Jainism, Baha'ism, you know, they were all really fascinating. Mm -hmm. When it came down to it, I came to know a person in Jesus of Nazareth as the same Jesus of faith and history, and that same agape love that changed the lives of the people in the first century and, and before, as you know, because the creator has revealed himself in, in many different cultures in different ways. Mm -hmm. But I just remember coming to that place of realizing that I was a broken sinner and I didn't find it dehumanizing or derogatory a lot with in contrast to the likes of you know Richard Dawkins or Sam Harris who mm. see as you know you're degrading yourself you're sure. um you're you're embracing a view that's dehumanizing right. whereas the way I saw it was okay well if this creator actually cared about humanity enough to do something about the sacred covenant that our and however you view genesis you know that our and our primordial ancestors mm -hmm. broke a covenant in the beginning creator mm. did something about that and what i found really fascinating was he didn't come and destroy overthrow the romans and as you know as this military campaign and you know mm -hmm. it Yahweh to come back to cleanse the temple. This rabbi suffered a horrific death <clears throat> under the Romans and rose from the dead on that beautiful uh, Easter day, bringing, yep. making, as N.T. Wright puts it, new creation, making hope and healing and redemption possible right yeah. here and now and giving a glimpse of what is to come. And so I just Love remember that. I came to a place of surrender and mm. repentance and i embraced faith in christ by grace and he became my lord and savior mm -hmm. and completely changed my life and that is the best thing that's ever ha happened to me yeah justin that's a that's an extremely powerful story i mean i think your your way of telling it which is deeply genuine and and uh and and honest it exemplifies the importance of storytelling, you know, that we, we situate ourselves in stories. We, we express ourselves in stories. We understand best through stories. Um, we come to understand complex subjects through stories. And uh, what I found is my students, uh, you know, I interact with young people all the time 
they don't think about these things in the abstract normally. And so when you ask them to examine their worldview, it's like, what, you know, uh, answer these questions, you know, where do we come from? Who are we? But, you know, if you tell it to them, or if you ask them, and I've just noticed this past week, we talked about this, I said, what story are we living in? And I'm standing on the shoulders of great scholars who have said this before me, but just asking the question that way is different because that's how we process reality. Excuse me, is through story, and and it's just you've just illustrated how powerful that is, uh, and it's very important that I think everybody grasps that we all have a worldview, or as I like to say, we all have a myth. We're all living in a narrated view of the way the world is, and we've got to find our story, and uh, w- which story we belong to, and we've got to make sure it it, it tells a good one. And uh, you you've told a good one, my friend. It's it's beautiful, and uh, and it's it's clear that it's honest. Um, and I know people get turned off, you know, hearing the Lord and Savior talk. And I've always been struck by how N.T. Wright put this. You know, he said, you know, this is difficult for Americans, he says, in How God Became King, one of my favorite books he's written. So, you know, book. we have a, yeah, it is. We have a constitutional monarchy here, but, you know, we, we still understand about royalty over here in England. And mm. it's different because, you know, in the American Revolution, we fought to get rid of a king. And, and it's interesting how he frames it in that way. And he says, you know, it, that, that kind of talk just, it seems foreign to us, but um, it, it, if you take that insight from right, and then you look at what Peter Kreft has said in The Philosophy of Tolkien, one of my favorite books, I know you've probably read it, where he says, we all have and want kings in our hearts and our conscious, our subconscious. And he says something like, and I quote it in my book too, Arthur is sleeping in the subconscious tomb of our mind. And I said, uh, well, that, that's it right there, isn't it? Yes. We, we, we might all go, ooh, sin, Lord and Savior. This guy's talking about he accepted Jesus. Ooh, you know, he loves Jesus. Uh, but we all know there's that longing in there to, to want to follow a cause, to, to follow a leader. I, I know I said in an interview recently, um, I was driving to Target one day and I thought, you know, you know, sometimes this just feels so banal and boring and I want something like, I wish I were going out on a quest, you know, that my family was depending on me. You know, we all have this desire for enchantment. And this gets back to, you know, Zane Sook, uh, you know, that deep longing that we have. Um, But I just think it's it's important to maybe disarm people who are listening because we we hear these kinds of stories so often that I think we're jaded and and hardened against them. But that's just just too bad. Uh, Mm -hmm. And maybe those are some barriers we can talk about there that I just mentioned. To, to folks. So I don't know if that helps anybody who's listening, but thank you for telling your story. Um, you know, a couple of things I was thinking of too. I didn't read Lewis until after Tolkien. And as I say in my book, I discovered Tolkien first as a teenager, you know, late teenager. Um, yeah, I really liked your introduction. That thanks. was really. Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, you know, Lewis came later, and I use a lot of Lewis in the book because Lewis was so instrumental for me understanding some of the ideas that Tolkien, I wish, had expressed in greater detail. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason I brought this up, you know, is that I, I didn't read, let's see, I'm trying to remember exactly when. I know I was finishing up grad school. I was just starting to teach as an adjunct, and I just started to read the Narnia books, and then I devoured everything I could from Lewis. Uh, but I came to Lewis late in life. I didn't grow up reading it as a kid, and nor, nor did I do with Tolkien. You know, it happened uh, 15, 16 years old, so I, I can relate there. Um, so I, you know, I, I hear you. 
Um, and it's easy to see the, the man had just a, a wonderful way with expressing things and saying things that we've all felt and experienced. And it's almost like we've been waiting for someone like Lewis to come along and say it in just that way. Yeah. Um, and Justin, you'll know the passage I'm thinking of in the weight of glory, where he talks about how, if we trust, and this anticipates our art subject, we'll get into talking about art and coming to faith, but he says, if we trust to the beauty in the things, then they'll become like dumb idols and break our hearts. But the longing wasn't in them, it came through them. It, to me, like that's something I've felt and I've never had those words to say it. Mm. And when I read that, I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's exactly what I've been trying to say for you know decades. Um, and, and, and Lewis just had that way. So it's easy to see why he was so influ you know, influential in your journey um you know maybe talk a little bit more i mean i know you've said enough uh, I, probably enough because i know there's other great topics we want to get into but is there maybe let me phrase it this way is there anything else you want to say uh for our audience about how lewis was instrumental in your becoming a christian or uh and then we'll get into your book and start talking some things that you talk about there is there anything we left out you think so there are as yourself and many other people can convey so many reasons to admire Lewis for me personally his story is fascinating to mm -hmm. me I was intrigued as to why he was a an atheist for many many years right and his Irish Protestantism is really interesting and I know the the loss of his mother certainly probably had a good deal to do with his atheism and then of course as you know his education under William Kirkpatrick the great mm. knot <laughs> yeah. it it oh yeah it brought together all of his 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 anger towards God mm. and I really found his journey of towards fate fascinating because although the intellectual questions that he had were there that mm. Zinzuk, that yearning and, and longing was so central to his life. And I had never read another writer like him who wrote about imagine this harmony between imagination and faith and reason and one's own personal experience coming together by grace. Mm. I found it really fascinating and I loved how he rejected denominational warfare, although you know he was and Anglican, very Anglo-Catholic. Yeah, uh, very much so. And I loved how he focused on what he called mere Christianity. Mm -hmm. And after my conversion, I came to understand, whereas before I didn't know anything about the Greek Orthodox Church or Russian Orthodox or Anglicanism or Catholicism or, you know, or the creeds, the liturgy, the Eucharist, it was all foreign to me growing up in a non-creedal totalism you know culture with with a lot of fundamentalism which as you know is really difficult and many people have a very negative experience with that brainwashing totally. and etc yeah and lewis's writings helped save my sanity when i could hardly function and i had all this and again it wasn't anything to do with my family it was just that culture mm -hmm. that i was in and being exposed to those ideas because you know in a 
particular geographical location and culture is mixed with politics and a certain theology. Yep. Um, and it's very, it's like that for many people, just depending on which part of the world it is. Absolutely. And so Lewis's journey towards embracing faith in Christ is fascinating. And I love Surprised by Joy. In fact, Surprised by Joy is my favorite of all of his nonfiction. Mm. Um, of course, Christianity, that is such a timeless work and it's amazing. But I love Surprised by Joy, even though it was called, I forget which of the Inklings called it Suppressed by Jack. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> right. It, maybe it was Owen Barfield or Hugo maybe. Dyson. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's great. But, <laughs> yeah I, I loved how in that he wrote a so such a personal story mm -hmm. called that by one of his friends it's very yeah. funny yeah. but his his you know um hellish experiences in world war one and his yeah. atheism pardons and then he ends up meeting hugo dyson and mm -hmm. and encounters george mcdonald and gk mm -hmm. Chesterton and even the um poet like William Butler Yeats that hit, roused the Zinzuk in his life mm -hmm. and so he had this amazing appreciation for literature and was so gifted and with language and with writing and was steeped in all the Greek and Roman mm -hmm. and North Celtic myths and it was it's amazing to me how voracious of a reader he was oh yeah and that story you know of him coming to know christ when he was on a uh a ride to whipsnade zoo with his brother horny mm -hmm. indeed and it's really fascinating how he said when he said said out he didn't believe christ was the son of god and then when he reached the zoo he did and as you know mm -hmm. now legendary conversation he had with tolkien on addison's walk about christianity being the true myth at all and i mm -hmm. all this worked to me because Whereas before myths and legends and uh, fantasy and things associated with magic and, um, you know, ancient uh, pagan stories and beliefs was always frowned upon or, mm. or, or viewed as diabolical. Whereas Lewis and Tolkien had a high regard for the ancient pagan past. Especially the, the Northern stuff. Yeah. The Scandinavian. Mm -hmm. And Anglo-Saxon absolutely and mm. i admire that about them because they too. allowed me to realize that those people were people just like us you know celtic people the nordic people mm -hmm. different cultures that had all these interesting death and resurrection festivals and patterns that was uh important to their spirituality religion and all those like balder from the norse and Baca. Mm greek desires from the egyptian and mm -hmm. all other dying and rising god stories um and the way that tolkien and lewis called christianity the true myth was so fascinating to me because it brought together the ancient pagan past together mm -hmm. with the christian story happening in the first century which mm -hmm. is there's this being the 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 one that happened in space time and history and through that's right jesus's incarnation death and resurrection there's remission for sins all these death and resurrection patterns are fulfilled and there's hope and healing in the here and now and, and mm. again and come in the new jerusalem and 
I found it fascinating and also because Lewis was so widely read you know one of the most wonderful things about him is that he leads you to Jane Austen to mm. Charles to Shakespeare George MacDonald um creates mm-hmm. John Keats Byron all the ancient myths Dorothy Sayers Charles Williams the Bronte yes, yep yes yes yep. Mm-hmm. and I couldn't get enough of it and I really was uh I was it's hard to find the words I found this whole new world opened up to me and mm-hmm. I found that I could <clears throat> sit down with a book and pay attention to the ideas mm-hmm. uh, voice of uh words that the writer was using the things the writer was conveying mm-hmm. and it was it it became a burning passion and through Lewis also I found my voice as a writer whereas mm-hmm. before I had a lot of doubts and I didn't really know what I was going to do with my life I wasn't going to be a doctor or a lawyer or a mechanic or a carpenter um, wasn't really good at much you know I did some carpentry with my grandfather in the past and know a little a little bit about cars not mm-hmm. much but through Lewis I found a passion that became a vocation and the more I wrote and read and then I would meet kindred spirits through and through his influence I've met yourself and David Bates and mm. Dr. Don King at Montreat College so so many amazing and beautiful and rich experiences in my life happened because of the great Irishman's influence and mm. I'm so thankful that Christ gave the world such a unique writer like himself me too well said. Well, you, you brought up myth, and I want to combine a couple of my questions, and then um, I think we'll finish with talking a little bit more about your book and future projects. Yeah. But I think the next two topics will go together hand in hand in glove. Um, the idea of mythos or, or myth, and, and you know, you've talked about the legendary conversation that Dyson, uh, Tolkien, and Lewis had in 1931, uh, which was in September of 1931. Um, you know, Lewis wrote some letters to Arthur Greaves, his, his good lifelong friend there afterwards, before and afterwards, and continued to correspond with him. Some of the most interesting information in the collected letters of C.S. Lewis are his letters to Arthur Greaves about especially that conversation. Um, so that conversation pertains or, 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 you know, includes the topic, but not just the topic, but especially the topic of myth. So let's for our audience, uh, I know a lot of people who follow Mythic Mission know what a myth is, but um, let's talk about what myth is and how it's connected to this idea of Zainsucht of, of longing, that German word that means a stabbing, a pining, a, a joy. What Lewis, what did he say? A desire that itself is more desirable than any other desire, something along those lines. So myths evoke that. So what is a myth? I mean, for most people, myths are false stories, they're wastes of time, they're they're you know husks of of flimsy narratives that we can, you know, peel back to get a moral truth and lesson and, and then throw away the husk. So um, how can we, how can we re-mythologize people this evening? What, what can we say to, to maybe make people take myth more seriously, do you think? David, my experience, it's been really interesting to talk with people who have very different, uh, a very different worldview than myself, and we can find common ground. And the common ground is through some form of literature, whether it's music or painting or film. Mm-hmm. And it 
exciting to me when that happens because those art forms bring down barriers of politics, social status, and religion. Yep. And for I'll give an example. There are a few friends that have a different worldview than myself, and we love Neil Gaiman's writings and mm. Norse mythology, American gods, the ocean mm. at the end of the lane. Mm-hmm. He's a very good modern day fantasy writer, and when you read his work, you could certainly see the influence of McDonald and Lewis and Tolkien and Lord Dunsany and William Butler Yeats, mm-hmm. William Morris. And those experiences, when I look back on them, remind me of the power of myth and how amazingly arrogant it is to view myth or or spirituality or, or faith as primitive superstition. That's a very enlightenment 18th century enlightenment way of thinking which is and many other parts of the world aren't like that as you know and as you see in our culture all the all the a good example is all the marvel movies and the Mm -hmm. dc people can't get enough of it and i like myself i'm not a uh, you know, I don't know a lot about Marvel and DC. I read some of the comics growing up and I've seen some of the films and they're fun and exciting and epic, but those are myths. Yeah. They're modern American myths borrowed mm-hmm. from ancient myths, just recreated in our culture and people mm-hmm. can't get enough of it. And I love mm-hmm. talking with people's with, I'm sorry. I love talking with people about it. What gets them excited about it? And why did they like that particular film? Mm-hmm. And, and it just reminds me that from our primitive ancestors around, you know, in the Mead Hall or bonfires or campfires, that it all started with oral storytelling tradition mm-hmm. through the hardback and paperback book, music and literature art. That will never die away because myth is a attempt to explore what it means to be human it's mm-hmm. uh, for the divine in the here and now it's an attempt to understand the world around us to explore questions and to find answers and also well uh, even when i was an agnostic i never bought into scientism mm. and i found it really dull and also just like for example as creative as a physicist as a physicist and scientist as Stephen Hawking was and he did a lot of great work and mm-hmm. was re- well respected i've read a few of his books and he's he was incredible and the film made about his life the theory mm-hmm. of everything really beautiful but the kind of worldview that he conveyed in his life and his writings is the same with Stephen Pinker or as another guy who debated John Lennox that I think Peter Atkins is his name. Mm-hmm. The kind of arrogant empirical worldview that they embrace and convey. And I was yeah. always bothered when people like that. And again, I'm sure they're really nice people, hopefully. Um, Hope so. Indeed. Mm. But when you write off people who are religious or spiritual that are more intellectual than you or more or smarter, just as smart as you, mm. that's just really silly and really childish. And oh, yeah. wow. Well, when I was an agnostic, I, I would, if, 
if I was an atheist, I would be embarrassed by Richard Dawkins. You know? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't, if you title your book, The God Delusion, that it's already by begging the question. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as funny and as witty as Christopher Hitchens was, and it was really sad what happened to him. And I know he was friends with Francis Collins mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Larry Taunton from the Veritas Forum. And they mm-hmm. liked him. They said he was a really likable guy, as well as John Lennox. They, Certainly. They sort of, begging the question when you already assume that spiritual experience is a delusion or that faith is a delusion just because you can't fit it in to a empirical paradigm because and you know and in my experience when it came down to like for example the phenomenon of human consciousness the Mm -hmm. phenomenon of the fact that we are here of love of art beauty religious spiritual experience Mm. to me much more logical and beautiful to believe that it had a divine source Mm. rather just some well the laws of physics brought it together we don't know how exactly i always found that really silly and as you stretch yes it it was sort of baffling i never bought into that yeah and uh and if i was still in if i was still an agnostic i would be open to spiritual experience Sure. And write off um, that being a reality, and and I would probably love Lewis and McDonald and Tolkien and Madeline Lingle. Um, probably mm-hmm. not as much as I do now because you know sharing the same worldview with those writers makes their work more rich Enjoyable. and very mm-hmm. nourishing. So yes, that those are certain um, memories from personal experience as to understanding why myth is powerful and transcendent and it never goes away and it's not primitive superstition in fact we owe a lot to our primitive ancestors you know agriculture art religion um, medicine um, all those incredible things and it was really helpful to me when I and as you know like growing up in the kind of culture I did, there was always this exhausting debate about science and faith. Mm. And then when I came to really understand it, it's not really science versus or creation versus evolution. It's scientism mm-hmm. in con- that is a religion in itself. And the people that propagate it have their own agenda. Oh yeah. Where, you know, from my understanding, like for example, the big was not the big bang proposed by a Jesuit priest. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And, and at, and at least, you know, uh, Sir Isaac Newton was, although he was into some interesting things like alchemy, <laughs> yeah. esoteric, esoteric stuff, yeah, like yeah. Charles Williams, which is fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was still a deeply a, a believing theist. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to understand. And when I tell people, science does not answer the most important philosophical questions that we have all it all it does it's just finite human theory and finite human understanding that yet i know Mm -hmm. there is the thing as facts in the objective world i don't have any qualms with that Mm -hmm. but when it becomes a religion in itself and tries to become a deity itself it becomes chronological snobbery and that's absolutely what it is and Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) as you know like i've I've read quotes from N.T. Wright about atheists who are embarrassed by Dawkins and, and yeah. 
Harris and 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 et cetera. So well, I mean, because listen, we know the scientific story is a myth itself. If myth is defined as a uh, in the ancient Greek sense, a grand narrative with truth value about the world we live in, the story that science can answer all our questions that we don't need philosophy or theology because our brain can't tell us accurate information about it, can't be trusted, but we can trust what our brain tells us about science, curiously enough, um, then what we're, we're not realizing is a spell is being woven here. For those of you who don't know, the, you know, the old English word for story was spell. So you know, that, that is a myth itself. There's the myth of the scientific revolution of the enlightenment. So, what folks don't realize is that we all live within a paradigm expressed as a story, which we call often a worldview. The paradigm is a worldview. And yeah. not only is that the case, but it's also the case that science can't fit everything in it. How does science explain itself? How does yeah. science explain a comprehensible universe? The, the quest for meaning is not the job of science. It's the no. job of philosophy. Right. So how can it, how can it explain itself? How can it justify itself? The, Lewis, I think, said, um, I think it was in Mere Christianity or elsewhere, the thing we measure with has to be independent of the thing measured. So right. it's not very good to say, well, scientism mm -hmm. is true. Scientism is the view that science can explain everything. And, you know, um, it just doesn't make much sense. So there's that. And, and this idea that myths need to be historical. I think people take history for granted that it's not an empirical science. It can be. I mean, there, there's archaeological evidence. There's numismatic evidence. You know, coins. There's there's evidence, and it's empirical, sure, and it can be radiocarbon dated. But that's not always the case. So, yeah. we need to understand too that while mm -hmm. myths are sometimes ostensibly historical, they're not always historical, but they can have truth value to them still. And, and so, right? And I mean, there it as is. You were, as you were saying, how it's important to understand how myth was viewed to an ancient mind exactly you were saying well and and there's this too at least we know the ancient greeks had two words mythos and logos i mean they 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 were not pre-scientific dum-dums who used mm -hmm. myth as a way of well we don't know what rain and lightning and thunder is so we're going to call that zeus they they had ways of investigating the natural world. We have the pre-Socratics like Thales and Anaximander and Anaxagoras who do that. Um, and now, of course, they didn't have modern science, but they were still interested in finding physical explanations, naturalistic explanations. But they had more than one way of looking at the world. So they, they had a more capacious understanding of reality, whereas we think that they had only a very myopic uh, well, we can't explain it, so let's call it a myth. That's, that's a caricature of myth in ancient peoples. That's not how they thought. Um, and the linguistic evidence alone kind of proves that. So, you know, mythos and logos were, were two complementary ways of looking at the world, uh, at least from a Greek standpoint. But if you, if you look for those ideas in Chinese culture, Japanese culture, you'll find them, maybe not in the same language, of course, but you'll find the ideas, the abstract ideas there all cultures um, understood that there were multiple ways of, of stating truth about the world we live in. Um, so it, it's just this tired old faith versus religion, I'm sorry, faith versus science, uh, false dichotomy that, that, you know, people like Richard Dawkins and, and you know, Daniel Dennett, the, 
the four horsemen of the atheists as, as they were called years ago. And yeah. there are more respectable atheists like John Gray. Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of uh, Julian Baggini. You know, there are several others that are, I think, just much better thinkers and, and more mm -hmm. coherent and logically consistent. So we're not just, you know, shooting fish in a barrel here looking at the easy ones, but it's easy to see why some are embarrassed by those thoughts because they're just very uninformed. So anyway, right. um, yeah. I think that's good for, for myth. I want to, I want to close out um, as much as I, I hate to say, we have to start closing out, but we've uh, we've heard the most, I think, important bits about your story about myth. Let's talk about what agape love is and, uh, and then tell us what you're up to these days um, I know you have a new, another book coming out with Grant Hudson, so if you can speak to those things, and then we'll we'll tie it up. Absolutely. So when I came to understand agape with my mind and my heart was when I came to know Christ, and then uh, it became a reality rather than just an idea. And when I mm through a dark night of the soul years ago six or seven years ago now that was related to father abandonment struggles and it was really traumatizing and i mean you went and i never you never think you could get so low and i just remember coming to a point where i didn't reject the goodness and agape love of christ but mm -hmm. i really struggled and there were two suicide attempts and two hospitalizations mm. and a lot of people didn't know how to respond. And some people were more understanding than others. I've been through the furnace of that. And mm -hmm. I, of course I never want to go through anything like that again, but coming out of that suffering, I came to experience the agape love of Christ in perhaps a way in perhaps in a way that could, could have, could have been quite different so mm -hmm. what i'm trying sorry sometimes it's hard to find the the right words you know, no no I, when, I understand when you're a writer but the of course one and can never plumb the depths of agape love in this life mm -hmm. but going through that trauma and suffering and struggling the saint john of the cross dark night of the soul yes the agape love of christ became more real in my life and even mm. when i was going through that his agape love sustained me which mm. i say it, it it saved my life and restored my sanity and i felt like there was a there was a certainly a renewed passion for life and literature and art and a resurrection of faith and then throughout of that suffering mm. i was able to go to montreal college and finish my degree and um oxford england and then i was able to write surprise by agape and it was just uh like that lewis line from a grief observed all reality mm. is like classic it it just the the amazing agape love of christ just shattered all the ideas that i had of what my life was going to be like because i thought my life was over yeah um, there wasn't any purpose and it was a curse to be a conscious human being on the planet and mm. perhaps i was deluded and of course i came to understand how wrong i was um and uh looking back on that uh i'm so thankful and i would say agape is certainly the theme of my life and i got the idea mm -hmm. for the book 
you know, seven or eight years ago and kept writing it and, and editing and revising and eventually through a C.S. Lewis Facebook page mm-hmm. connected with Grant Hudson of Clarendon House oh, nice. Publishing. And he saw that I had published a just a small draft for a creative project for a C.S. Lewis class I was taking under Dr. Don King. Mm-hmm. And he sent me an email and we, you know, exchanged a few. And he told me that I would like to offer you a contract. <clears throat> and that meant the world to me. And mm. you know, how do I go from lying on a suicide hospital bed to being able to finish my degree, to having a renewed faith, uh, an amazing church community, artistic community, a move to the mountains of North Carolina, yeah. Oxford, a book signing, podcast interviews, <laughs> Goodreads reviews, Amazon reviews. There's no way there's no way that any of that is by chance. It's all by grace and I'm yep. so thankful for it. And I am too. Thank you. Thank you. And as each day goes by, I continue to marvel at the agape love of Christ. Mm. So thankful. Um, and in regard to the Surprised by Myth book, that mm. will probably be coming out in a month or so. Really? Um, that soon? Indeed. So Grant Hudson. All right. Yeah. Grant Hudson got the idea for it <clears throat> last year. And then, um, you know, I would write short drafts out here and there and uh, about four or five months ago i mentioned it to him and he said it would be a good idea to explore it and see where it would go and once i had a a draft i sent it to him and he was happy with it and said and said i'll edit and revise it and and he sent me a link to a few articles that he's written that he's going to include in it and that's what i was going to ask you yeah Thank you. So it's being able to co-write this book with this Englishman who's been reading and writing about Lewis Tolkien and the Inklings and MacDonald and Chesterton since 1974, you know, longer than I've been alive. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) It's amazing. And I'm so thankful for that opportunity. And so the book Mm. is going about the cultural importance of myth and how it's good transcend it how it is a search for the or for the divine Mm. um the healing power of music and literature and art which is a form of myth of of storytelling why lewis tolkien charles williams owen barfield dorothy sayers Mm -hmm. donald gk chesterton and joy davidman are so inspiring and how many different artists they've inspired and personal experiences of reading their work and going to conferences and um, meeting all different kinds of people who have been inspired by them. So the book has been a lot of fun. It sounds like fun. Thank you, man. I'm so thankful. He's the one making it happen. So I owe a great debt to him. He's been a professional editor for a long time. I'm not an academic or a scholar, (laughs) simply a writer. Um, maybe one day but it's been really meaningful and uh, challenging you know it was quite quite uh quite a lot to quite tiring but yeah i know that oh yes Uh, especially as you know when it comes to the editing and revising Mm. (laughs) it's a lot of work man yes yes Mm. it's uh my my heart goes out to the people who are gifted in doing this and 
I've, I've tried it. And I'm thinking, you know, no, not for me. <laughs> That's amazing. How to have a gift with it and just mm. they know how to structure a narrative and oh yeah and the word choice and the grammar and the flow it's all uh, it's amazing and so mm -hmm. uh, I'm working very hard on that also have yeah. a, a Larry novel coming out that's right Marty and Irene through Breaking Rules Publishing mm -hmm. um, about an Irish musician named Irene and an American writer named Marty and they go through a lot of trauma and struggle um you know explore a lot of philosophical questions but they also help each other find healing mm. and hope and they collaborate artistically there's a love story there that's true to life Good. um uh, definitely inspired by baron and luthien and oh. aragorn and arwen so there's oh there's, that's awesome there's some of that there i wanted to capture even though it's set in the modern world and sure. it's not you know a, a work of fantasy i did want to bring in some celtic spirituality and mm. make narrative have an epic feel and i'm really excited about that worked really hard on it and mm. uh, an irish poet friend named jerry white she endorsed it and another um another an american writer friend named henry mitchell he endorsed it and i couldn't wow. have done i couldn't have done it without their help because they've been editing for many many years mm. and they told me they wouldn't endorse it until they were satisfied with the final draft, which That's was very good. Challenging and a lot of work. So mm. it's been, been quite tiring to work on those two works and finish those, but I finished and uh, finished a short story called the writer. That's going to be published in a short paperback through um, it's called the writer's journey blog anthology. Oh, cool. Uh, and that will be coming out in December. And Elaine is the lady's name who is doing the editing for that. Wow. Um, and another short poem that's called Mystical Mountain. Is, thank you, man. And yeah. it's coming in a paperback anthology in October. And I, if I remember correctly, the title is City Travels Around the World landscapes and cityscapes i think is the type hmm. well that so, sounds very very good thank you man yeah so, working on these different creative projects has kept me out of my head <clears throat> it's kept me <laughs> yeah which, which can sometimes not be a good place to be and it's yeah. kept me in good spirits and kept me cultivating my craft and it's kept me thriving in community and i'm really thankful to christ for all these opportunities it brings me a lot of joy yeah, well, you know, I, I have to say I can relate to that. It, it's it's not always a good place for us to be alone with our thoughts, which no. is why folks' community is so important. I mean, I know I've known minor bouts of depression in my life, nothing like some of my family members and what it sounds like you've struggled with, uh, which is nothing trivial at all. And I know that the the bouts that I've struggled with are, are bad for me. And um, it, it's most powerful to have community, to have like-minded people um and to to have projects to to throw yourself into and to to collaborate it's such an important part of being human so uh now with you know covid cases on the rise and just the world just being a very always being an uncertain place it's so important for us to foster community which i know you have a passion for and i do too so i'm, I'm happy to know you and you. uh and even though our friendship is distant now i hope one day to uh, to shake hands with you and, uh, and yeah, and I, I know 
surprised by agape was a comfort to me and confirming many of my struggles and uh and, and i thank you for that i think uh based on the reviews i read too it was echoed by many other people so thank you, thank you for being vulnerable that's the most important part you know it shows that we don't take ourselves too seriously it shows that you know you don't have an ego you don't care if people know that you've struggled uh i don't really trust anybody that hasn't struggled uh life is life is hard so yeah. i think your story is just very important so thank you for writing it and uh, i wish we had more time to talk but I, I know we've got to say goodbye for now um i hope people will buy your book and read it i'm gonna i'm gonna definitely talk it up and i really appreciate you uh becoming a, a friend and and for coming on mythic mission justin thank you it's an honor thank you for having me and it's an honor to call you friend cheers likewise cheers i'm i'm out i'm gonna refill after the uh the interview here <laughs> <But> <laughs> Enjoy. Good, good night everybody good night